0: If green is your favorite color or your way of living, then Grounded is the place for you. From big environmental solutions to your own backyard, wherever in the universe you may be, join me, Melanie Walker, on a journey to a cleaner, greener life. Grounded, your window on the environment. And welcome to it. Yes, this is the place to be if you want to find out about things environmental and things that are written about environmental issues. Of course, we're amalgamating here a bit of uh, reading room and a bit of gardening with Grounded. But it's not really gardening if you're talking about birds. Now, for me myself, I know that these birds exist. okay, And I can spot quite a few of them and know what they are. I like sparrows or mossies as we tend to call them here in South Africa. But most of the time I look at them and go, oh, yeah, it's just a little LBJ. And I can I can definitely dis- <laughs> sort of work out what is a raptor and what is a pigeon and stuff. But that's pretty much as far as my knowledge of birds and ornithology goes. So I decided, well, there's a brand new bird book which has come out. And I needed to get hold of the person who's put it together to find out a little bit more about all the little flying things that might come and visit your garden here in South Africa. So to give us some more information about birds and what they need, we have Adam Riley in his book, the new one birds of south africa and welcome to it
1: thank you very much melanie it's an honor to be recording this podcast with you okay so now tell me a bit about
0: you first of all before we started finding out about lbj's and things where where did this come from what have you studied as i mean why birds
1: so as a small kid um and common with many children i guess i was an avid collector stones and stamps and coins and anything else that I could uh, get my hands on to. I also grew up on uh, farms uh, in KZN and I love just walking around in the natural areas and and just love nature. And one Christmas when I was 13 years old, I was given a Robert's Bird book by an aunt and I immediately sort of made a list of all the birds that occurred around Peter Marisburg where I lived near at that time and decided I'm going to go out and collect them basically by ticking off each species finding it in the field and ticking it off so birding was just a, a natural combination of of my love of collecting combined with my love for nature and I've never looked back it's become part of my life since then I didn't ever think it would be a career um, so I decided I want to become a chartered accountant, and I studied accountancy at university and did three years of articles and qualified as a chartered accountant. But during my articles, I realized that a office job was not uh, what I wanted for the rest of my life. And a good friend of mine, Jonathan Rousseau, who'd recently qualified as a doctor, came back from traveling around the world a little bit, And we decided to start a bird tour company together, actually during my last year of articles in 1998. And it was going to be a temporary arrangement. We'd, you know, put our careers aside for a while, have a bit of fun, see the world, show people some birds, and then go back to our respective careers. And it's now 24 years later, and I'm still having a lot of fun and uh I uh, still have put off having a real career. So, I, but, but hang on a second.
0: You've, you've, you're having a lot of fun and doing what for 24 years? Obviously, this is, a, this is a career. You haven't put a career on hold. What is it that you actually set up and are doing?
1: Well, it doesn't feel like work. But what we do is set up and guide birdwatching tours around the world. So basically, we go on holiday with people. And my passion is birdwatching, what I do in my holidays anyway. And I travel with people and I I show them birds all around the world. I've done tours in nearly 100 countries um, across the whole planet.
0: Well, why other countries? Why not just here in South Africa? I mean, don't people come out here to come and see special birds as well?
1: South Africa is very popular. I've just come back from a three-week tour of South Africa. So I still do tours of South Africa. But, you know, I wanted to see the world's uh, avian diversity. You know, we offer tours. I'm off to Antarctica next month, in fact. Um, so we offer tours uh, to about 120 countries around the world.
0: What what kind of birds are there apart from like? Turns and penguins in Antarctica, and, and you do know it's cold there. Hey?
1: Yeah. yeah, I've been several times. It's the trip of a lifetime.
0: Oh no, and you're going back? <laughs>
1: oh, I, it's, it's uh, There's nowhere like Antarctica. Yeah, there's actually quite a lot of birds. There's albatrosses and petrels and shearwaters. We also visit the Falkland Islands and South Georgia. So there's quite a lot of diversity, especially on the Falkland Islands. Raptors and finches, and uh, yeah, a really nice diversity. We usually get about. Eighty species of birds on on an, a cruise of that nature
0: so did you go back to school shall we say to go and study anything about birds, or is this all just something self taught and and through observation
1: no absolutely self taught um, the best school is being in nature and observing the birds, listening to their calls, getting to know them I've, I've had no no other formal education on the matter
0: okay well what is it though that so many people kind of like have the bucket list i want to go out and see birds i mean for me if there's birds they're lovely yes they're there yes they they eat insects that bother me but on the whole i don't have like this thing about you know oh my goodness look there's a less less spotted mattress thrasher or whatever you want to call it (laughs) (laughs) okay so so what is the that kind of really gets people about going out and finding birds
1: So, for me, it's the search of the rare and the beautiful. So, many birds, every bird, in fact, is beautiful in its own way, uh, when you watch its behavior and listen to its call, even the little brown jobs. And there's always that excitement of finding something rare um, that you haven't seen before or some interesting behavior. You know, birds... Their way of communicating with each other is, is really by by vision and sound, which is the same as humans, whereas mammals is, is mostly by smell, which is why mammals aren't necessarily very colorful and uh, don't have, you know, uh, beautiful songs and things like that for, for most species. But so birds, birds and humans interact in the same way. And uh, there seems to be a real affinity for bird watching with many people. And it's, it's become really, really mainstream throughout the world. When I started doing this 30 years ago, people would kind of look at me odd and say, you know, are you, are you looking at the two-legged kind? Without realizing all birds have two legs. Um, <laughs> but... You know, nowadays, it's, uh, bird watching is considered the second biggest outdoor hobby after gardening in the USA. Mm-hmm. And it's actually being reported in, in sports sections of, of newspapers. So, and even here in South Africa now, I can have a birding conversation with, with almost anyone that I meet and they'll have some sort of awareness or knowledge or interest in birds. And it wasn't that way 30 years ago by, by any means.
0: Then why do you think there has been this explosion in people being interested? Is it because they're just becoming more environmentally aware that they think about the species that are dying out? Maybe we have to see them before they die. Uh, why, why would suddenly all of the people in the world think, oh, this is something I really want to get into doing? Was it just because, I don't know, everybody else is doing it, so we may as well do it too?
1: I think there's several aspects to it. Um, COVID certainly has had uh, a role to play more recently in that people were stuck in their gardens and started spending more time in their gardens and noticing the birds that were coming and going. Um, There there was actually a a birding lockdown challenge during the five weeks hard lockdown. And we had over 1,200 people sort of enter their lists of what birds they were seeing in their gardens uh, or the property that they were locked down in. So definitely COVID's uh, increased the awareness of it. But but I think just generally the, the zeitgeist of sort of hunting days or, or whatever have changed and, and people are, are more aware of, of nature around them. And, you know, going to big game reserves, seeing lions and things like that is, is amazing. But birding you can do in your own garden or going to school or, or anywhere. And the wonderful thing about birding also, you can just be at the interest of seeing the birds in your garden and enjoying them and not needing to know their names all the way through to trying to see 10,000 species around the world and knowing every single call. So there's a vast spectrum and it doesn't matter where you are on that spectrum. As long as you enjoy them, that's all that matters.
0: Now, when it comes to the interrelation of various things in the environment... How big a role do birds have to play when it comes to having a healthy ecosystem?
1: Yeah, birds are, are vital, you know, all the way through to, to large raptors that will control some of the rodents and, and locusts and, and things like that, through to tiny birds that, that eat insects and aphids that we don't even notice. I mean, there, there are billions of birds throughout the world, and there's a reason why there's billions of birds, um, because they are an important part of the ecosystem. And there's also an important reason why there's there's nearly 11,000 species of birds, because they've evolved to fill certain niches, and they're needed in those niches. Um, so, so they are a, a vital part of uh, the ecology. And, you know, birds are often a, a great indicator species of the health of, of an environment. You know, as soon as, as your vultures disappear and your ground hornbills and your secretary birds and large eagles, you know that that environment is, is being compromised. So they are used throughout the world as indicator species.
0: Okay. Now, my dad always used to say that the day that you don't see sparrows anymore, is the day that the world is in trouble.
1: Do you think that's true? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Birds are important, and and if they're dying out, there's obviously something very, very wrong with with, uh, the world. And that's happening in Europe uh, in particular. Massive avian uh, die-offs, and uh, there was a recent report in the U.S. uh, where they calculated, I forget how many billions of birds less now than there were 20 years ago. And these are very important indicators of, of what's happening in these large parts of the developed world
0: but there's not also I mean a lot of it obviously has to do with natural selection as most of us like do like to believe okay um and but obviously humans coming along and destroying habitat and um making things go extinct I mean if you think about what was it the dodo what other like big species the passenger pigeon I mean that was a huge one when the last passenger pigeon went out and everybody was going wow this is like this is where we need to actually start doing something I've been listening to some podcasts on extinction theories so So, you know, how how does one go about actually making sure that we we keep our birds around, that we don't have more and more species going extinct?
1: So in Africa, we are the only continent without an extinct bird uh, in recent times. Apart from the dodo? Uh, well, that was Mauritius. Uh, but that's so, part of so Africa. Speaking, <laughs> well, I'm, uh, I'm referring to the African continent. Okay, as, as the mainland itself, okay. <laughs> yeah, the only uh, large landmass mass on, on the planet without an extinct species uh, in recent times. So we we sit in a very privileged position having not lost any birds, but there are some that are on the very brink of extinction. And there's great uh, conservation organizations that are doing their very best to ensure that none of these birds do become extinct. Um, So BirdLife South Africa in particular uh, is a fantastic organization. So, you know, supporting them by becoming a member is is a great way to start. They also produce an an excellent magazine and, and keep you informed about birds and birding and conservation. And they are part of the BirdLife International family. So almost every country in the world has a, a BirdLife uh, uh, um, organization that all feed up into BirdLife International uh, based in the UK. And they do major, major conservation work uh, throughout the world, particularly on critically endangered species. I'm actually on their international advisory group. Uh, board and, and help steer their uh, overall conservation uh, policies and work.
0: So what are some of the species that are on the list, on the red list here in South Africa that really could do with our help?
1: The one I'm particularly involved in is called the white-winged fluff um, That sounds gorgeous. I want one
0: too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's, a, it's a very cute little bird that lives in swamps and marshes and is listed as critically endangered, which is the most endangered status before extinction. And it was only known from a small one final marsh in Ethiopia that we have managed to save. And it used to pitches up there once a year and breeds, and it's there for two or three months. And then during our summer, it arrives for a couple of months, a year. And they always thought it, it was the, the Ethiopian birds migrating down to us, But through the conservation work that we've been doing, we realized only a few years ago that they actually do breed in South Africa. And this call was also unknown and that we've recently discovered. And we're now doing more survey work around South Africa and and, uh, trying to find where else they they might be breeding. And uh, we still have no idea where they go in winter. Um, so there's a lot of really important conservation work and discoveries still to be made with the conservation of white wing fluff tail. Yeah, there's quite a few other species in, in serious peril um, in South Africa, such as wattle crane and uh, the lamachaya up in the Drakensberg. And some of our seabirds, such as Tristan albatross, um, jackass penguin or African penguin is also in, in serious trouble. Um, so there, there's um, a lot of work to be done
0: but then you also have some people who, I mean, I don't know if you've watched Penguin Town. I know it's just a, a sweet little story that was put together in a kind of a documentary series. Have you watched it at all?
1: No, no, it was on TV.
0: Oh, you must see it. It's lovely. Um, it was about the stories about these, these penguins down in Simon's town and how they live and where they go and breed and how they invade people's homes and gardens and things like that. But it is one of those things that you have to be aware of the fact that humans are impacting so heavily on breeding grounds of all of these kind of birds. Whereas, I mean, you're sitting there thinking, I'm thinking this fluff tail. Is it because of the wetland destruction? and all of that being sort of sucked away by not just farming and agriculture, but by also mining, which is depleting all of the wetlands. Is that leading to that?
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's mostly wetland destruction. You know, the, the only known breeding site in South Africa so far, confirmed breeding sites, is a wetland called Middlepint near Dalstrom, And that was in the process of being drained by the farmer um, when the Middlepint Wetland Trust was was started and we, we basically now rent that wetland and have actually turned it into a nature reserve now and maintain it in, in the best condition for the flufftails' requirements. So, yeah, definitely humans are, are impacting this and, and virtually every other bird species out there.
0: Yeah, humans are the virus, let's put it that way. So, mm-hmm. it's, it's not just wetlands, though, it's also our grasslands. Our grasslands are being taken down. And I mean, how many of our species actually live in grasslands in South Africa?
1: Grasslands are a vital habitat, and in South Africa, we have many endemic species, meaning they only occur in South Africa, um, who are entirely reliant on grasslands. And a lot of the world's grasslands have been destroyed because it's the perfect place for farming and for timber and so on. So species like uh, blue swallow, we're down to uh, close to only about 20 pairs left in South Africa because this grassland habitat has been um, used for forestry oh my goodness me
0: my father was very very fond of the swallows he was a bit of a twitcher so i mean the only bits of things i know about birds is basically from from what he told me but he used to call them squeakies and he was so happy that his squeakies would come back every single year me i'm just happy if the mosses arrive so now your book so it's a it's a lovely little portable book as they call it (laughs) it's a very portable small book Why a new book on birds? I mean, you've already mentioned Roberts, and, of course, you've got Newman's, and they're all of these books that have been you know around for years and years and years. And immediately you think, okay, I need a bird book. Right, we're going to get Roberts. What went through your mind to say, right, let's put out a new bird (laughs) book, okay, of birds of South Africa? Why did you decide to do this?
1: So it actually wasn't my decision. I was contacted by Bloomsbury Helm, which is uh, one of the largest publishing houses in the world, based in the UK. And uh, they've done a lot of bird and wildlife field guides. And this is a new series that they're putting out for many countries around the world. Uh, Mine is the second one. Uh, birds of South Africa, the first one was birds of the Middle East, uh, but they're doing it, as I mentioned, for many countries. And the idea behind these smaller portable uh, field guides is that they don't cover every single species. So in South Africa, we have 870 bird species recorded now. My book only covers 350. And what I've done is I've carefully chosen the commonest and most prominent 350 bird species of South Africa. And only covered those species, very simple, clear text that will help you identify it, understand where it occurs, and what its call is. And very clear photographs, uh, usually two to three photographs per species, showing different plumages, male, female, breeding, non-breeding. All the photos were uh, I took myself. Um, yeah, so it was basically a commission aimed at either the beginner birder mm-hmm. who doesn't want, to, doesn't want a Roberts with a thousand species in it or um, a traveler a tourist to the country who's not a hardcore birder, but just wants to identify the, the commonest species that they will see visiting our national parks and other tourist sites. So I focused on the commonest and most prominent species that you would see as a person in visiting, you know, in your garden, basically. Um, so anywhere around South Africa, or visiting the national parks of South Africa. So I've actually have not that comprehensive coverage particularly of grasslands mountains um forests and and even out at sea but i have a pretty comprehensive coverage of uh, garden birds and especially bushveld species and if you go to kruger or, or the zooland game reserves or kagalagadi transfrontier national park etc but it's a uh, you know for for the average person Probably 95 to 98% of the birds that you see whilst you're birding will be covered in this book, even though it covers less than half the species of South Africa.
0: And how is it organized? I'm actually just paging through at the moment looking for owls. <laughs> what page is owls on? I'm, I'm big, I love owls. I have a huge thing about them because um, the only one that I have is a spotted eagle owl that sits in my suburb. And sits so they're going, whoo! Ooh, ooh, with the other ones coming okay, back at you. Exactly. and i need to get on to you as well about you say that it helps you with the calls i can't hear anything except for pages rustling how do i hear the call uh, of the bird come on
1: <laughs> well let let's go to page 126 where you'll find the spotted eagle owl okay and here's my here's my description of the call the call is a typical owl like hooted hoo, often in a, in Duet and at Varying Pitch. Okay,
0: but you still don't know what everybody, it's a specific pitch that they're doing at. So why have we not got a, a sound companion so we can listen to the calls of the birds as well?
1: Yeah, that's a good question, but it was, it was beyond the, the scope <laughs> of this book. <laughs> this, this was sort of just very uh, simple information for, for the beginner or, or the okay. tourist who wants to, to learn a little bit more. So it's for somebody who's getting
0: into it for the first time as well. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here and saying, oh, I know that one. Oh, I know this one. I've got, oh, oh, there's flamingos and there's an ostrich. I know what an ostrich is, so that's great.
1: <laughs> exactly, yeah. So uh, at the back, I do have a further reading and resources section, and it actually guides you to uh, several apps and other online resources where you can get uh, the bird calls and deeper level of information, as well as more detailed uh, bird books.
0: Now, is there anything that after you'd finished putting the book together that you thought, oh, I should have put that one in, or do you think that you've got it covered?
1: I I think I've nailed it pretty much with the uh, correct allocation of of the 350 species. Um, You know, you can always argue this one should have been in and that one should have been left out. But it, it it was a judgment call and it's not an accurate science. But, um, uh, you know, so, some of the species that I included are not necessarily the very commonest birds. But if you saw it, you'd say, wow, what is that bird? I'd love to know that bird's name. Mm. So they are also in the book. Um, where, whereas I've left some of the commoner little brown jobs out. For instance, I've only got one Pippet in the book. Okay. Pippets are very similar um 99 percent of the pippets that you see are going to be african puppets um so i just included african pippets and said this is the most likely pippet you're going to see there are others but it's probably this one
0: yeah if it looks like that it's it's one of those yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> it was climbing i there's a there's one that i found in my friend's garden in parkview and it was climbing up the tree sideways up the branch It kind of looked like a woodpecker, but I have no idea. She's saying, what is that? I'm like, do I look like I'm a twitcher? Okay, I might be shaky every now and then, but I'm definitely not a twitcher. But I have absolutely no clue what it was. And I was like, is it a hornbill? Is it like, why would it, like instead of flying up into the tree, why was it climbing up the tree? Why do birds do things like that?
1: Yeah, it could have been a woodpecker or or possibly a wood hoopoo. But yeah, I mean, each bird has its own way of making its living. And they all have this particular niches, which is why they evolved to be as they are. And uh, certain birds feed in, in the little cracks in the bark and, and pull out grubs and, and, and other insects. Um, and, and that's the way that they do it, by, by climbing up trees and then going down to the next one and climbing up and digging in the crevices. Um, okay. so, so that's or tapping and hearing for any hollows, which is what woodpeckers do.
0: Okay, so at least I didn't think I was going mad then. Now, when it comes to um, how many birds you've seen, out of the 870 species of bird in South Africa, how many have you ticked off?
1: I have seen all but two of the 870 species in South Africa. Um, the ones I'm missing are vagrant seabirds, but I haven't necessarily seen them all in South Africa. So I've I've traveled the world extensively, and I've seen over eight thousand of the world's ten thousand plus birds. You know, of, of all the South African birds, many I, I have seen in South Africa, but um, others I've seen that are vagrants only sometimes appear in South Africa. I've I've seen elsewhere.
0: Mm. okay so now for you the the best birding hotspot in the world i mean for me the place that i've seen the most was um in seychelles surprisingly enough on two islands on Norid and frigat okay they have like they are actually one of them's a bird sanctuary so people are only allowed to go over there and they've got ha- spiders the size of your hands which are catching birds as mm-hmm. well so but for where for you where is the best place to actually go and check out birds
1: Phew, that's a tough question. I've been to so many places. So you go to a place like New Guinea and they've got these incredible birds of paradise. It's, it's quite a difficult place to, to bird watch. Africa is, is fantastic for birds and a lot of our birds are, are very obvious and prominent and colorful. So it really is a birding continent. However, South America is the bird continent. So, South Mm -hmm. America is much smaller than Africa, yet has 50% more bird species. So, a country like Colombia, which is slightly smaller than South Africa, has 2,000 bird species compared to South Africa's 870. And uh, so, I would say along the Andes in Colombia, Ecuador, Peru are probably the best bird watching sites in the world. Um, In fact, the world record for the most number of species seen in a day is held by a friend of mine who saw over 440 species um, in one in 24 hours in Ecuador. His eyes
0: must have been really tired.
1: That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a phenomenal number. The South African record is in the 330s, so, so we're not far off, but uh, there's a big you're... difference between those additional 110 species. Okay, so now you're the
0: co-founder of Birding Direct, which is where you put these, these um, tours, trips together, We take people out, Yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, my, my main company is called Rock Jumper Birding Tours. Uh, that's, okay. that's where we uh, do our, our birding, guided birding tours around the world. Birding Direct is actually a, a, a new company that we've recently launched that puts birders directly in touch with the best local guides and, and operators.
0: Okay, so so where to next for you?
1: I'm off to Antarctica next month. And um, yeah, really looking forward to that. It's just a a most incredible wilderness and and experience to travel there. Where else? Uh, I I have trips planned to Taiwan and to Bolivia and uh, Brazil coming up next year, but um, yeah. What's um,
0: life? I mean, are you going to go back to your your day job at any stage?
1: <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think uh, I think uh, this will do me for now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right. Okay. So, people, of course, they can get your books where these days o- um, online through which stores.
1: So, this book is available in all the major bookstores. Um, you know, exclusive books. Uh, I'm sure it'll be coming into the the shops in the national parks and and so on. You're also welcome to contact me. I'll be doing several book launches here in KZN at the Hilton Arts Festival. of exclusive books uh, next week. But, yeah, uh, I'm sure it can also be ordered, um, any of the major online booksellers in South Africa.
0: So, so which is the best way to find you? on your website? Have you got a website?
1: Yes, I do have a, a website, uh, rockjumper.com, www.rockjumper.com. And you can contact me through there or info at rockjumper dot com.
0: I thought they were supposed to be called rock hoppers. What's this rock jumper so, thing?
1: So rock hopper <laughs> is a penguin. Rock yes, jumper, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Rock jumper is a very special bird. There's two species, and it's uh, entirely restricted to South Africa and Lesotho. The one species down in the Cape, the others in the Drakensberg. There's a picture on the top right hand corner of of the book on the front cover. And uh, they're they're actually such a special group of birds that that they're in their own family. So for foreigners coming to South Africa, it's one of the most sought after groups of birds to see are the rock jumpers.
0: What is your most sought after bird? Which is the one that you want to go and see time and again, your absolute favorite?
1: My absolute favorite bird is the blue crane. I just think it's such an elegant, uh, beautiful bird with an incredible call that evokes wonderful memories of, of where I grew up. But the bird I most want to see in the world is an Australian bird called a plains wanderer. So all the, the nearly 11,000 bird species of the, of the world are divided into 256 families. So a lot of people focus on trying to see all the bird families of the world because it's impossible to see all the birds of the world. And once you've seen all 256 bird families, you've really seen the great diversity of the world's birds. And I'm missing just one, which is the plains wanderer in Australia.
0: <laughs> well, I wish you luck with that when you get down to Oz next time. <laughs> Thank you and very in much. the meantime I of course I'm going to be I'm perusing the book and see if I can up my knowledge a little bit more and I think you know just from having them in the garden I mean we don't really have all that many although a lot seem to have come back as you said during lockdown when things were a lot quieter the environment wasn't being hammered as badly it was lovely just to sit and listen to the calls of the birds and especially now when spring is springing again it sounds so beautiful out there. Adam, thank you so very, very much for for joining me today. And um, I'm going to, I'm seriously, I'm going to take this book and I'm going to go out and I'm going to go see if I can understand what birds are about. The only problem is, is that I have no idea um, what, I mean, I might say 13 centimetres, but I'm sitting there and going, well, I just don't know how big that is really. (laughs) So I'm going to have to work on on size-wise. It could be something which is like the size of my palm or it could be the size of my arm because I keep forgetting if it's 13 centimetres, how long is that?
1: Well, if, if each time you go out and you learn one bird, before long, you'll, you'll know the birds in your garden quite well. So I do wish you much enjoyment with that, Melanie, and uh, thank you very much for including me in your podcast.
0: Thank you very much for for coming and talking to me about it. And, of course, for those of you who are ardent twitchers, don't forget you must get your hands on this book. It's a brand-new book, Birds of South Africa by Adam Riley. I'll catch you again next time when we have more information, either about books or about the environment. Until then, take care. You've been listening to another episode of Grounded from Solid Gold Studios in Johannesburg. For more green ideas and events, pop along to Mel's Treasures on Facebook.